Just a gentle reminder, this episode has coarse language, things that may offend certain people, basically all the awesome things in life. So if you have small children, or you're just a pansy, you might want to leave the room and leave it to the grown-ups to listen to the show. Enjoy. You're listening to the Renzo Republic. Have you ever felt are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, as always, Remso W. Martinez, and you're listening to the one and only Remso Republic. So, race riots, Trump... Putin, Olympics, World War III, Zika virus. The world's basically going to hell in a handbasket. And I've been asking myself, who are the type of people that would survive this? Because I recently rewatched the BET town hall they had where you had a bunch of, um, you know, Morgan Stanley interns go in and basically talk about their white guilt. And instantly I thought, wow, if, you know, if the world went to hell in just a moment, if let's say a zombie apocalypse broke out, that dude would die first. So we can just go on and on and on and on and talk about the dangerous things. But recently, some of you have been asking me for some lighter topics. And I've been like, well, wait, you mean you don't want to talk about how Hillary's going to rule the world and all this other stuff and how we're about to go into a second dark age? No. In fact, I've received about 10 emails in the past week from 10 different people asking me to talk about this. And I'm going to unveil it in a minute. But first, I want to introduce our representative of liberty in rock and roll. The only person I could think about talking about this with. The one and only Johnny Rocket from the Johnny Rocket Launchpad. How's it going? Good, man. Bam! Fuck so you yeah. can have a sound effect there. Yeah. But, um, hey, guys. <laughs> hey, uh, thank you, Remzo, for having me on the show, man. I appreciate it. Not a problem, Johnny. So, the secret topic that people have been bugging me about. Of all what the is things the that secret they topic, about, dude? I gotta know. Man, they want to know if comic books are inherently libertarian. Ah, uh, that is a funny question. Um, yes, I think. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is about comic books, but I think that they are. Um, comic books are definitely a libertarian thing. Um, I think they're also a liberal thing. Oh my God! Just these days alone, you know, they made Iron Man a fifteen-year-old black chick. When did they do this? Last week. Oh, my God. So, well, they, I so, think they made Captain America a black guy, too, now. And yeah, I don't have a problem with him being a black guy, but he's, he's always been a white guy, so why are you changing it? But it's okay, because what they did was now there are two Captain Americas. There's okay. the Falcon, who's the black Captain America, who they made super liberal all of a sudden. And then they brought back Steve Rogers. But this time, he's a Nazi. That's, see, that's, that's messed up. Yeah. Steve Rogers is awesome. He's always been the... Uh, Captain America, Steve Rogers, has always been a, a badass dude. 
Why would we want to fuck that up? That's why the big is Marvel, question. Why is Marvel trying to pull this bullshit? Like, why are they trying to fucking make everything politically correct? Why don't they just suck it up and say, you know what? We have a racist goddamn Captain America. God damn it. Own it. You know, and he's not racist. But, you know, what? just because he's white, he's racist, apparently. Apparently, you know, just by being a straight white male that goes against he, everything he's that we a cis are as man. a country. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that a lot of my listeners are bringing up these days. You know, uh, I, I'm i not, you know, as much as I love to talk about F.A. Hayek and Milton Friedman and Lord Acton and all that stuff, I think that more people are interested in comics like myself and you and I than, you know, anything else. And as I keep trying to bring up these examples, it's getting harder and harder every day. Well, not exactly, you know, bring up these older examples, these comic book pop culture references, but as of right now, comic books are like the sacred sacrifice to be burned at the stake of the altar of progressivism. And this is as we're having all these films come out. We're going to have Doctor Strange soon. I mean, as if the world wasn't crappy enough right now, of all the things we have to look forward to in terms of movies, they're really trying to screw it up. Now, you you actually used to write comics, didn't you? I, I, I wrote comic, like a cartoon strip. Okay. But I was a huge X-Men fan in the 90s and um, probably late 80s, early 90s. And I've always still had like a, a comic book little nerd, closet nerd thing going on. I, but I don't haven't probably read a comic book in about 20 years. But I watch the movies and I'm kind of in the in the gossip of it all. Yeah, so, that's kind of like a majority of America right now. Right. I mean, I, I seriously love comic books, but I really want to keep up with my economics. So I keep the economic books uh, uh, on top of the comic books. But I mean, I, yeah, I mean, comic books have always been part of my history. I mean, I, I grew up with the X-Men, Spider-Man. I was a Marvel guy. I was never a DC guy. Um, I always thought DC was like so predictable. It's like, okay, the good guy's going to win. For, this was going on for like 50 years with DC Comics. The good guy's going to win, period. With the X-Men and Marvel, they always had twists to it where maybe the good guys would win, but somebody might die. And it was, there was a little bit more, I always thought Marvel Comics were a little more interesting. They didn't have a the necessary, the same uh, outline as DC had. DC was like hero, a bad guy robs bank, hero comes out of nowhere, hero saves the day. End of comic book. Every one, and it was very predictable. Where this is, I'm, I, there is exceptions to this rule, but what I'm getting at is, I always thought Marvel had a little better overall, like mending of the universes, and the, the comics had like overlap and. I always thought the characters were a little bit more three-dimensional in the way the writers were, especially with the X-Men back in the 90s with Chris Claremont writing with Jim Lee. And uh, I thought they were great. I love the the X-Men um, thing. But I always thought, you know, looking back at it, I always thought it was interesting because there was all these racial topics that they were talking about, but they weren't really talking about race. They were saying, we're mutants and we're being discriminated against. But now looking back, I didn't really catch on to it. I just thought, hey, they're mutants. They have fucking blue, you know, fur coming out of their face and or they're they have a tail or, you know, but really it's about racism. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, but I didn't really pick up up. I didn't pick up on that back in the nineties. I was a kid. I had, I looked at it through innocent eyes. You know, now I'm looking at it going, holy shit, they had an agenda and I didn't even realize it. And I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah, it wasn't back. it wasn't until I was in high school that I realized Professor X was basically like MLK and Magneto was well, Malcolm, Malcolm X. X. Yeah, that's right. And that, exactly. that's the thing I keep going with. You brought up the edginess of Marvel Comics. And with me growing up when I was a kid, I, I, I read comic books before I read actual books. And I remember, you know, my dad would take me to px on post and he'd get me a comic but he never let me get any of the more any of the marvel ones it's because for the longest time marvel had been kind of going against the grain a bit they uh you know they kicked off the comics code authority dc kept that on so you know all the parents are lying their kids to read superman batman because nothing crazy is going to happen in those but sure. marvel's pretty vanilla yeah it's it. like lex Luthor breaks out of prison superman goes to get him, sure. they fight. Sure. He goes back to prison. He breaks out. It was the exact same thing. There was never same any controversy. Story. Nothing. Yeah. No controversy. Where, like with X Men, it was a lot. They they were delving into uh, uh, homosexuality. I mean, they just recently had one of the characters, North Star from Alpha Flight, come out as gay. Oh, Iceman too. They now they have two gay villains. I mean, two I didn't gay even X-Men. know. I didn't even know Iceman. So you see, so you're you're tracking this better than me, but. Like, who cares? I mean, it, it shouldn't. It should be a non-issue. But I always thought Marvel was unique in the sense of the, the three-dimensional fact that their characters always had. You always liked their characters. You you delve into their personal lives, uh, especially in Marvel comics. Where you know, like I was saying with the DC characters, it was always like good guy. He's a good guy. He's a. That's it. There wasn't anything else really going on. He was more of a symbol than anything. Or Marvel, you had characters who had character flaws, and that's what made them more interesting. And I always thought that was kind of cool, that what Marvel did. And you always had things that were questioning, like, is Magneto truly evil for what he is doing? He just may have a different approach than Professor X. But there were some people who had questioned, maybe Professor X is really the bad guy, and Magneto is really the good guy. You know, you had to always think about these things. Where, Mar- where DC Comics in the past was very cut and dry. This is from my perspective. I could be totally wrong. Since Hence, I didn't read DC Comics. But I always felt that way from what I have read. Makes sense. Makes sense. And that just continues with it. Now, as, as I meet more and more libertarians recently, and just getting to know them personally, because it's like, you know, social media is bad because, for one... It's like I can just point out certain people on my friends list who, if you didn't know them as people, they would just be that libertarian guy. All they right. do is post the Gary Johnson stuff. All they do is post all the things about— I do not. You do not? Oh, that you're not one of those. You don't do that. Okay. You post funny stuff. Yeah, I don't—yeah, fuck that. Yeah, yeah. You, you come off as an actual human being, whereas other people are just like, oh, Gary Johnson posts here, Gary Johnson posts here, Gary Johnson posts there. And that's the interesting about them is I get to know them— and I'm, I'm not one of those people. I don't usually take on just random people who I've never spoken to on my friends list. But, you know, like my friends at work who are libertarians, I, I try and find the thing that brings them all together, whether it's culture, whether it's, you know, because it's got to be more than just, oh, I'm a libertarian. I like liberty. I like all these principles. I'm just seeing that comic books is a reoccurring trend. And for some of my listeners that are libertarians, a lot of them are diehard comic nerds. 
Yeah, I, I think I it's guess. A, yeah, I don't know. That's a good. I mean, that my only thought on that is that maybe, <clears throat> you know, maybe just because of the fact that um, most libertarians like to hang out and live in their mom's basements until about 40 years old. And uh, they still collect comic books. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know the answer. It was a joke. I don't know the answer. <laughs> I don't fucking know. So but many I, people I just got triggered goes along when you the said same, that. <laughs> I, I, no, but it, 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 I think it goes along the same like wavelength, where there are free thinking individuals. Comic books, you know, just recently kind of became cool. But before that, the diehard comic book people were always doing something different against mainstream. And I think it's kind of an anti-mainstream kind of thing. It's kind of a nerd rebellion in a way. So that's why people read comic books, because it was like, I don't really want to read a book. Fuck that. I like pictures and I like action and I like these cool stories and they're interesting and it makes you think. Maybe that's why people who are libertarians like comic books. I don't know. But it's like I noticed that, too. But, you know, I also noticed that libertarians also like to play Dungeons and Dragons, too. And I think that goes along the same line. And uh, I don't know. It's gotcha. a good question. Yeah, gotcha. But you brought up something which I want to bring up in the next segment right after this commercial break. Folks, hang on real fast. We'll be back in a moment. Take the show on the go by subscribing to the Ribs of the Republic on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and YouTube. Don't be left out. For years, the Republican and Democrat parties have used social issues and crises to keep us at odds with one another. They've divided us into groups and pit each group against the other, while those in government have together collaborated to strip us of our liberty little by little. In 2009, I decided to do something about it, and the Rupert for Senate campaign was born. Government of, by, and for the people requires our participation, not as voters, but as leaders and decision makers. But the parties have made it all but impossible for real, ordinary Americans to do so. So this average American has, since 2009, worked to give the voters, at least of Ohio, a choice outside the parties. The message is simple. The Constitution protects every American equally, but it's powerless to protect itself. That's our job, and it's time we take it seriously. You can learn more about my campaign at scottrupert.com. I'm Scott Rupert, independent candidate for Ohio's U.S. Senate, and I approve of this message. People often ask me what podcasts I listen to, you know, and I'm not listening to old episodes of my own, that is. There are many great out there. There are some that are entertaining, funny, you learn from them, they just give you a great insight you're not going to hear anywhere else. But there's one show that really comes to mind when I think of where to get your starting ground and understanding what open minds and open markets mean. It's actually the show that I listened to when I first started learning about libertarianism. It's the Lions of Liberty podcast with its host, Mark Clare. Mark and his team do excellent things, from libertarians in a living room drinking liquor to Felony Fridays. They have a great list of just amazing interviews, talking to the movers and shakers in the liberty movement. And let me tell you, if you want to get your friends who are a little apolitical or they're a little liberal or a little conservative, but they like the ideas of liberty, Mark Clare will give it to you at the Lines of Liberty. So go ahead, check them out on Google Play, Stitcher, and iTunes today, and check it out for yourself. I guarantee you will not regret it. Check it out today at www.lionsofliberty.com. 
everyone. Welcome back to the show. So, Johnny, you brought up something that has been a reoccurring theme in the past couple episodes. It's it's this idea of counterculture. You know, libertarians who may not have necessarily known they were libertarians growing up, they read comics as kind of a nerd rebellion. And for me, I guess I can kind of sympathize with that. I mean, I liked punk rock in an age where everyone else was listening to freaking Miley Cyrus in high school and all this other Justin sure. Bieber crap. And I was right. still listening to Green Day, and I would, you know, listen to grunge. I was a big Nirvana fan growing up. And, you know, I, I, I was reading comics before freaking Matt Robert Downey Jr. made them popular. Sure. And it's just... I want to kind of delve into the mind of modern libertarians, because as as big as we're getting, because we're bigger now than we were four and definitely eight years ago... We still seem fringe. And as we try and identify these things that kind of keep us all kind of similar to an extent, I think comic books is one of those things that doesn't just bind libertarians together, but binds many other people together. Because people that have never read the comics, who didn't even know they were comics, are watching the movies. And in a way, I think that might actually be dangerous in a way. Because as more and more people began to like these characters, what used to just be sacred for us, now they want freaking Captain America to have a boyfriend. Now they want more of the X-Men characters to be gay. Now they want to change um, the race of several of the characters in the comics in a way. And then what I see is that the comic book diehards, they they sound like, I'm not going to say a lot of conservatives in a sense, but then they, they become really purist all of a sudden. It's, oh... You can't change this character's race because he wasn't black in the comics and you can't do that in the film. Now it's these comic book fans, and I'll just say these libertarian comic book fans, that are the purest in this situation. Do you think that's kind of ironic in a sense? I'm just looking at it as Captain America has been this way for X amount of years, and now you want to change him because now it's politically correct to do that. Um, you can't You can't diss the people who have been... It's kind of a fuck you to the people who've been reading Captain America for the last 100 years. Well, not 100 years, but 70 or 80 years. You, you can't do that. Now, if you want to create characters of different races and different sexuality, by all means, have characters on their own merit, doing their own things, make a new character, but don't change existing ones. So it's not about being purist in that sense, but if you've had Iceman being a straight guy for since the 1960s, you can't change it all of a sudden and say, well, he was in the closet. Well, you can't do that. Now you fucked with us for all these years. So now it's like, it's, it's kind of messed up. Now, I don't care if somebody's gay or different color. It doesn't matter. But they need to be a character that stands on their own. You just can't change an existing one. It just, it fucks with people. It fucks with fans. You can't do it. You know, it's... Uh, It'd be like if I quit drinking and smoking all of a sudden. Oh, my this gosh. Wouldn't work. The world would freaking explode. The world would fucking end. So that's that's my gig, man. I, I, you can't fuck with shit. And that's what they're doing. And you were saying about, you know, culture. and I don't know. Maybe, maybe they, you know, most libertarians are just anti. You know? And that's why we like comic books. We like whatever's not cool, you know, at that time. So, you know, a lot of people who used to read comic books, as soon as the movies came out, everyone likes it. Fuck that guy. He's a sellout. You know, who knows? Um, I don't know. I don't have the answer. All I know is 
we like we I think we like niche things, and I think libertarians like having that in their pocket. Like only I know about this, or a very select few know about these ideas. So this makes me cool in a way. It's kind of like modern day hipsters with um, bands that no one knows. Some obscure fucking band from fucking Nevada, for example. Oh, you don't you never heard of the Pink Daffodils? Oh, dude, you're a fucking loser, dude. And as soon as everyone likes the pink daffodils, they're like, you're a fucking sellout. Bitch, I don't like those fuckers anymore. So then why the fuck? If you like their music, fucking like their music. But don't change the goddamn Marvel comics. That's, that's I have a problem with that shit. No, I, I definitely agree with you. And nothing was funnier than recently. Um, in the new Star Trek film, they recently made Sulu's character gay. Now, for a lot of people, they just always thought that's how it was because George Takai, who was Sulu in the original Star Trek series, is a giant flaming homosexual. Mm -hmm. So everyone changes. I'm sorry. I think it was J.J. Abrams, the director of the series. He changes Sulu from being a straight guy with a kid in the original series. He jumped over this new freaking universe, and now he's gay. And everyone's like, see, George Takai, we made him gay just for you. And then George Takai looks at everyone, and he's like, Oh my. You weren't supposed to do that. You took the creator's vision of what this character was supposed to be and you just changed it for your agenda. Right. And now George Takai is. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say. No, I'm with you uh, with J.J. Abrams. I mean, um, I kind of regarding the new Star Wars movies, you know, um, I have no problems with them. I thought they were great. Uh, the. the Force Awakens. I thought it was a fantastic movie. I think it kind of brought back the feel of Star Wars. Um, I guess my biggest problem with that movie, and I, I know I'm going to sound bad, but it just seemed forced. No pun intended. <laughs> but what I mean by that, it sounded forced. I mean, what I mean by this is, okay, we have to have a black guy as a leading character, and we have to have a female as the Force user. And it's like, well, wait a minute, that's cool. But it just seemed forced. Like, we need to now make sure that we are, we are, you know, we're politically correct. And we have to have a Star Wars movie that's politically correct and will not offend anyone. And it's like, guys, just write a fucking movie. Don't worry about you have to have a token black guy and you have to have a chick. No, you don't. It could have been that way if it felt natural, but it felt forced to me. Oh, you're forgetting the biggest sacrificial lamb, though. They, and, you know, no pun intended, but they killed off Han Solo, a white smuggling alcoholic who likes guns and hanging out with his best friend Chewbacca all the time. And he sure. occasionally leaves his kid and wife behind. Sure. No yeah. big deal. No big deal. But I mean, but I, I'm just saying I'm looking at it like it felt forced and you could probably see where I'm coming with this. Yeah, definitely. Like what? I mean, she was good, though. I, I think they all did a great job. They're all likable. You know, and I, I like that they didn't sexualize her as the main character. Oh, but wouldn't sexualizing her as the main character be counterculture? <laughs> it would. But they did. I think it was good that they didn't because it, you kind of made her it made her more believable as a character. If she was, you know, uh, Pamela Anderson in that role, it wouldn't have worked. You know, um, she, uh, Daisy Ride, uh, Ridley, she did a great job, you know, as uh, Ray. So I thought it was good. I thought it was good. But I just thought that, you know, you have these characters and it's like, 
hmm, how can we be politically correct in this episode of Star Wars? It's like, come on, guys, why are you thinking about that? Just write a script. If it happens to have a girl or if it happens to have a black guy, by all means, it's great. But I just thought, come on. And they're doing this with everything. They're trying to take old shit, reinvent it, and say, hey, we got to make this politically correct. Same thing with fucking Ghostbusters. Let's make this all women. It's the biggest flop of a movie. And it fucking pisses me off because I, I love Ghostbusters. Like, oh, we have to make them all women. Why? Why did you have to make them all women? I just oh, want- it's the next generation of Ghostbusters. But then why not make them all black? Women have a new thing. <laughs> you don't have to have Ghostbusters. Have another fucking girl thing, whatever. It could be something completely different. But don't fucking shit on my Ghostbusters. And they did that. Fuck you, Hollywood. Fuck you. That's all I got to say. Is that how you really feel? I fucking... <laughs> God damn. <laughs> right. hold back here. No, just let it all out. Just let it all out at this point. <laughs> but I'm a boot. Oh, my gosh, folks. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back after this. <laughs> Renzo in the mix. What's our problem with messaging the ideas of liberty? Is it the ideas? Is it the people? Maybe it's both. Maybe it's the fact that we're just not doing it in a smart type of way. This is where the Libertarian Youth Caucus comes in. The Libertarian Youth Caucus represents the millennial wing of the Libertarian Party. They're trying to expand the party base while finding new ways to communicate simple, timeless principles such as open minds and free markets. What we need to know is how to find the next generation of voters and make them vote for liberty. We can have a smaller government and a freer economy in our lifetime. And I believe that if we want to help invest in the Libertarian Party, the best way to do so is with the Libertarian Youth Caucus. Learn more about them today at lyc.silkstart.com. That's lyc.silkstart.com. This message is approved by the Libertarian Youth Caucus. Folks, welcome back to the show. So for those of you that have been listening to through this entire segment, I bet you're kind of wondering, where, where does this all lead to? Because it seems like we kind of jumped in a bunch of di- different directions, but that's good. I don't know good. where this is going, man. No, this, no is, this is good. This is good. <laughs> 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 this is perfect because what we get to is this. The world is crappy. Everything seems to be going to hell. And the things that we used to love, the things that we used to cherish, the things that we used to think would stay gold, golden in a Some sense. liberal took a big steaming three-coiler shit on everything we loved. There you go. Done. Exactly. So that leads to the final question. Yeah. What else do we have left because they've screwed up everything? <laughs> uh, books, because most liberals don't read. So I think we have books still. So if you would like, we should... Any good books you recommend, Ramzo? Oh, my gosh. Well, I, ah, I just realized I've spent so much time reading comics lately. I haven't actually picked up a good book. Okay, oh, yeah. God damn it, dude. Go, go ahead Here's and a recommend book one. Which one are you go reading? Go ahead. 
No, go. Which one are you reading? Right now, I am actually. Well, first book I think everyone should read. If you're a libertarian, um, first book I think you should read would be Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt. Fantastic book. Amazing. Um, right now, I'm starting to read Human Action by Lord Acton. I'm about one Lord Acton. No, by that's Mises. Right. My bad. My bad. My bad. I'm about one third of the way through. And I'm telling you what, dude, it's a hard fucking book to learn um, because it's 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 great. It's really interesting. But it sucks when you have to, like, look at a dictionary every sentence. You're like, what the fuck does he mean by that word? So you're looking shit up because I'm like this. This book was published in 1941, I believe. So I'm constantly like referencing a dictionary and going, "What is the epistemological approach? What the fuck does that mean?" So I'm looking up words that I never heard of before. But it's it's a great book. I mean, after you look up the words and you have an IQ higher than obviously me, but it, it's fantastic. It's a great book and it's a great thing on economics. And I I recommend it that most people get a fundamental. Well, I wouldn't start with that book. I think that's a, a later oh, book. Oh, dear God, no. That's how you get people turned off forever. Right. <laughs> but I, I definitely would recommend um, Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt. I think it's a, a fantastic book. Yeah, you, you just reminded me. For people that don't want to read something that's 600 pages long and they'll need a dictionary for, there's always Don't Hurt People and Don't Take Their Stuff. By Matt boss, Kibbe. Matt Kibbe, yeah. Yeah, it's a great book. I mean, it's all, you can get another good like one. a day. Yeah. Yeah. And another good one is The Law by Frederick Bastiat. That's, oh, that's a great even shorter. Book. That's like 100 pages. You could read it like almost on lunchtime. It's great. It's a it's a great book. And it is. Yeah, I recommend those books. Then we're good. Yeah. That's all I got. That's all you got. That's all I got right now. Perfect. I don't have my books around me right now. No, it's not a problem. I, I guess the biggest thing is this. It, it's good that we still have those classics to reference because they can never take something by F.A. Hayek and distort history and make F.A. Hayek a transsexual. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And he won't be black ever. He'll be an Austrian. Literally. Um, a black transsexual F.A. Hayek. Right. The Road to Serfdom, another great book. You can read that in about what? Oh, not days. like, yeah. It's I mean, like it's 200, 200 pages. Right. Yeah. And once you get after the forward part that people keep adding every couple of years, it's even shorter. Exactly. Yeah, every yeah, the twenty fifth edition, and then the thirtieth anniversary edition, and then you have more and more people adding more and more fucking prefaces. Jesus Christ! Yeah, Dear go God, ahead. Just end the madness with those new. Just editions. end it. <laughs> just give me the goddamn book. Oh my gosh! I I think to kind of close things off to a degree is, you know, the liberals are taking everything that used to be fun in the world, and they're completely screwing it up. Yeah. They're taking everything we loved and they're just giving us a giant middle finger saying, deal with it, you racist, bigot, homophobe. Right. And what I want from people listening is I, I want them to go out and, you know, you know, the people listening to this, they're politically active. They're politically involved. They, you know, politics, economics, philosophy, all that jazz. It just it courses through their veins. But I'm the sure biggest, I have offended somebody, Remzo. Oh, you, sure. you've offended multiple people just through the Star Wars segment alone. <laughs> you've got someone out there saying you can't say that jj screwed it. it up bring back Smolders. i thought they i think they secretly feel the same way i do because they'll go it's a great movie but then they're gonna be like i secretly agree with johnny rocket yeah i don't yeah. <laughs> i've been thinking that shit in the back of my head 
Oh my gosh, yeah. But it, it's this idea that I think we need more people getting out there and taking an artistic approach. I mean, you used to do comic strips. You're a musician. Yep. You've, you've gone out there and you've been creative in your own right. And while your stuff hasn't been always explicitly libertarian, you are always finding the new counterculture. I'm hoping that more and more people do that. And I don't know where they are because it seems like everything that we love is just being turned to crap. And as I'm looking for more things to you know, find that are going to stay gold for a while, they're going to be the next victim of the social justice agenda. I think that, you know, I think there's, I think if we keep, I really think that what we need to do in, in the liberty movement is to try to change the culture. I mean, I was actually, I'll, I'll just actually announce this on your show since you oh. have a great show. But our 100th episode is with Tom Woods. Nice. And we actually did have this conversation with Tom Woods. I don't I can't remember if it was online or offline, but we were talking about the culture. And and how we, you know, I, I believe us as the, the messengers of liberty, liberty and libertarian ideas or even, you know, fundamental limited government ideas, all these concepts, we have to change the culture. And by talking about it and making it cool, I think we can really make a difference. If we're all a bunch of fucking in our niche and fucking in our own little world and we won't we don't want to branch out i think this is what fucking shoots ourselves in the foot well we can't go out there we need to go out there and start talking to people and tell them about this message of liberty and if we don't we're really selling ourselves short and once it becomes popular we can't go well i don't like it because you know we sold out now you know kind of like with the gary johnson i'm not a fan of gary johnson but i'm still like okay fine he's doing good whatever I'll root for him. I'm like, you know, I'm sort of rooting for him, but secretly hate him at the same time because he's not a libertarian. He's just sort of a Republican light or so, Democrat. So you're going to go, you're going to go to the voting booth and you're going to check his name off as you vote. And the whole time you're just going to be thinking, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Exactly. Well, I'm not doing it for Gary Johnson. <laughs> I'm, I'm being honest. I'm not doing it for Gary Johnson. I'm doing it for the party. We want libertarians to have ballot access. It gets, it gets exactly. no more. You know, yeah, complicated. I mean, I, mean I, I don't, I don't, I personally, I, I don't like Gary Johnson at all, to be honest with you. And I probably should have gotten the little red flag when we had an interview with him. And I mean, I love, I, I, I used to love Gary Johnson probably three years ago. I thought, you know, he was the cat's meow. But as I, we interviewed him and I was talking, and actually when we, did talk to him offline is when I found out this guy doesn't seem like a libertarian to me. And we were talking about, um, a bar. Now this is the first time anyone's ever heard this too. Oh my gosh. Keep going, dude. Keep going. Um, so I'm in the elevator with Heather and Kurt and myself and from the Johnny rocket launch pad. And we're sitting there talking to Gary Johnson. I go, Gary, you know, what really pisses me off that bars, you know, if you, if you're the owner of a bar, you can't have smoke in it. If you own the bar, you should be able to dictate your rules. And Gary in the elevator, this is literally what was going on. He was like, hmm, well, what about the people who work there? What if they don't want to smoke? And I'm like, but Gary, um, they have the choice not to work there. If they don't want to work there, they don't have to. They can go to another job. Yeah, but, you know, there's there, there's only limited amount of jobs and... I don't know if that's a good idea, Johnny. And 
Um, what about the health? And I just think that the, you know, they're tied to that job. And if we shouldn't have smoking in bars, I'm like, you're what fucking kidding. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? And then from that day on, I, I just lost interest in him. I'm like, yeah, I had an interview with him. You know, he was talking about drugs and marijuana and I could really give a fuck about it, but you know, it's a Liberty issue. So I'm like, sure. You know, we'll talk about it. But it pissed me off that he actually went against the libertarian philosophy of property rights. And I'm like, dude, that's, this is not cool. And from that point on, dude, I just kind of lost momentum for him. I was like, go Austin, go McAfee. I mean, eh, Gary, Gary's not interesting. He's fucking not interesting. And with him and Weld, they're a fucking joke. That's my opinion. No, I, I, I mean, agree, some people I might go, hey, you're a dick, dude. I'll vote for Gary. He's better than these other two fucking assholes. But at the same time, I'm going to do it with fucking, I'm doing it for the party. I ain't doing it for fucking Gary Johnson. He ain't going to win anyway, so whatever. Yeah, exactly. So that's how I look at it, man. Exactly. And this is why, you know, finding these new ways to entertain people, finding these new cultural mechanisms is important. Because if Gary Johnson was our sole spokesperson for what libertarianism is, we'd be so screwed. And every day when he goes out there sounding like freaking Miss South Carolina, um, you know, oh, no uh, shit, uh, no uh, shit. Uh, I mean, the books and give the people in South Africa map and um, such as uh, such as um, yeah, exactly. She, he, I don't understand what the fuck he's doing. He's not running a libertarian campaign. If he was a libertarian, he would say. Yes, we don't approve of those things, but we think the markets would handle it better than the government. That's his answer to everything. If he just used that, he would win. I don't, I don't think it's the government's job. We believe it's the market's job to fix these things. That's how you win it. Even if people would give you this sob story about my child smoked heroin. I don't do heroin. I don't. Never had. But. The market would fix the problem. If you made it legal, there would be less drug use, period. And if you're an idiot, then you would do it. I mean, it's illegal and people are still doing it anyway. And then these moms are like, we need to take more action. It's like, we already have every action imaginable. What do you want to do? Constant like government rules. Maybe if you raised your kid better, he wouldn't have fucking done heroin. Yeah, it's like during that town hall debate a few months ago, that mother, and you know, my heart went out to her, yeah. but the whole time thinking, well, shoot, what the hell were you and your husband doing? How do you not right. know your kid was doing cocaine on the weekends exactly. with his buddies? Exactly. It's personal responsibility. If you were a shitty parent, own up to that. Not the fact that heroin was accessible to your kid. Fuck your kid. If your kid fucking got stoned or tried heroin, it's his own goddamn fault. And it should have been your fault for not fucking watching what he was doing. You see, Johnny, this is I'm dropping the mic, walking away. And ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Johnny, this is this is and to kind of go full circle here at this point. This is why this is one thing that keeps me optimistic, because I've been listening to your show for, you know, just such a long freaking time now. And what made the Johnny Rocket Launchpad with you, Kurt, and Heather so freaking awesome was that you had all these new 
you know, this giant wave of libertarian podcasts jump out there, and it was always, and today we're going to, because of the crappy mics, we're going to talk about the non-aggression principle. And it was always crappy, and I'm just thinking, this is what we have. And then with you, you don't care what people think. You have the most entertaining libertarian show out there. We have explosions, Remzo. We have freaking explosions <laughs> and music. And um, by the way, I mean, I really have to give a shout out to two of the most amazing people. Heather Nixon, my girlfriend and beautiful voice of reason on the show. And Kurt Nelson, two of the most amazing people in my life. And we have a good chemistry. I mean, they're, Kurt is a, one of the best audio engineers in Seattle. He's fantastic. He's a, I mean, he's a guru of sound. And we have Heather. I mean, she is the yin to my yang. You know, if I say something really abrasive, she kind of turns it around and makes it more palatable to people. But some people like to hear that. Fuck you. I'm tired of this shit. And she goes, what he's saying is <laughs> we need to stop doing this because it's in our best interest and it's better for the poor people. Yeah, but it's fucking bullshit. But what he's saying is, you know, <laughs> you know so, I mean, she's great, though. I mean, I love Heather is great, you know, and she's, you know, she's really my groundwork. You know, she holds me down and keeps me based and that because I'm I go on tangents, dude. Like I'm I'm literally like moving around all the time. Like, What the fuck am I going to do? What the fuck am I going to do? And I'm fucking doing 100 million things at a time. And I can't swear on the show, right? Which I already done like a hundred oh, fucking times. Yeah, I mean, I was just gonna. I, I was thinking about censoring you for the longest part. You know, put like a bleep in there. But at this point, who cares? I'll just the tell whole people, fucking get over show it. would be a bleep. But yeah, so I'm just gonna um, tell people listen to it or get the fuck over it. Right. Might exactly. As well. But what I'm what I'm getting at is I have a great crew, and without them, the show would be nothing. So I have to give my regards, respect, and love to to my co-hosts. So. Yes, the show does not suck. We are a libertarian <laughs> show that does not fucking suck. And I'm confident in saying this, you know. And, Remzo, you're doing a really good job on your show. I've heard it with Corey and all these other amazing people you've had on. And Mark Claire, your first guest, heard the whole show. Fantastic job. Keep up the good work. Thanks, and, uh, yeah, sounds great, man. Really appreciate it. And thank you for spreading the message of liberty. No, I mean, if it weren't for you guys actually giving me the idea that maybe we can make libertarianism fun. It should be. Because all these ideas, yeah. like all these fucking concepts of free markets, uh, limited government, or, well, and, yeah, limited government. Some would say no government. Um, but just all these ideas are amazing. And you, you need to flex your intellectual muscles every once in a while. And even the normal people, like the conservatives who like Trump or the Democrats who like Hillary, they'll listen to the show and be like, it's funny. Like, I mean, I'd agree, but you still embed those ideas in their head and you want to make them think, maybe I'm doing this wrong. Maybe there's some validity in this libertarianism. And I want to make them question themselves. And you can't argue when I have guests, like I could sit here all day and say, this is bullshit. Fuck you. The government needs to go away. But when I have a professor who holds a fucking PhD or, you know, 
multiple PhDs saying, well, the free market would always be better than what we have now. You know, it had some validity to the, to the topics that we're talking about. And this is what I want to spread. So the reason I get guests too, I sometimes I'm lazy and I don't want to talk for fucking an hour, but in the, you know, in the long term, I really want to make Liberty fun. And if we make it fun, just like the daily show, I mean, look at what John Stewart did. He made fucking statism hilarious, <laughs> right? That's what he fucking did. I, I so, never thought of it that way, but I mean, that's, that's dead on at this point. <laughs> right. I mean, he made it fucking fun. You know, if, if you don't care about, you know, if we don't have a government program, you just must not care about the fucking poor people. Well, wait a minute, motherfucker. I would be more willing to give money to the poor people if I didn't have government take half my paycheck. So no. And your fucking government program is held down by bureaucracies that are, the money is wasted through administration and administration and administration and administration. And by the time it gets down to the actual poor person, they're giving out fucking scraps. So go fuck yourself in your government program. That's all I got to say on that. Mike, dropping the mic again. And ladies and gentlemen, that was Johnny Adams from the Johnny Rocket Launchpad. Thank you for joining us for our special expletive-filled episode. As always, you can listen to the show on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, blah, 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 blah. Check out our website, rwmartinez at liberty.me. Oh, oh, oh you're still oh. there. You're back. <laughs> yes, I got more. Keep going. By the way, you can check us out at the johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com. And you can check us out on Facebook at JR, Facebook forward slash JR Launch, and us on Podbean at jrlp.podbean.com. And thank you, Remzo, again for having me on your show. It was such an honor. Johnny, having you on is a complete blast for me. Again, an opportunity to do these great things that we're doing with the Liberty Movement is just, you know, it's, it, it makes me feel larger than life. So it's well, you are, man. You're, you're well on your way. <laughs> You're well on your way. Thanks, Johnny. Folks, as always, I'm your host, Remso W. Martinez. Good night, America. Stay connected to Liberty's Rabble Rouser on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with the latest episodes, blogs, and other available content. What are you waiting for?